You're listening to the Parents Who Talk podcast. We're here to help you find commonality and community in parenthood. Now let's talk. Hello. Hi. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you great. Can you hear me? Hi. Yes. Thank you so much for being patient with me. Oh my gosh. Don't worry about it. This is crazy (laughs) time. It is a crazy time. Okay. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm glad you didn't want to do video because I'm kind of like disheveled from the day. So (laughs) this is good. Yes, me too. Me too. Okay. So let's get started. Can you tell me a little bit about you and your family? Um, yeah, so I am, well, my name is Jenna Rammel (laughs) and I have four kids. I ages 11, nine, well, almost nine. Wait, how old are they? (laughs) Let me start over. (laughs) The thing is I I recently read, um, a book from Glennon Doyle and she's like, my children have a birthday every year and I have to change their age every year. And it's so hard. And it really, it really kind of is. (laughs) So I have an 11 year old, an eight year old, a five year old and a 20 month old. So, and then I've been married to my husband, Andrew for 14 and a half years. And we live in Utah, which is where we're both from. We've lived a lot of different places, but we have landed here for the time being and we love it. How fun. So I think I started following you I'm trying to think a couple years ago. And I remember, I don't know when you posted this, but you posted a story, you were in your car and you had like, just realized that you'd only curled half your hair or something. <laughs> and I was like, I need to follow this girl. Cause that that's me. I, <laughs> I'm the type of person that forgets half of their makeup or, you know, doesn't do her hair half the time. So, so tell me a little bit about your job. So I started creating online content probably about eight years ago and through a children's blog. And I started sharing my life online every single day and just kind of my ins and outs, raising kids, um, pregnancy, having miscarriages, um, my journey with food and uh, self-love and things like that. I just kind of started journaling online. And it's turned into a really awesome thing with a wonderful audience who, and community who are such a part of my life um, every day. Mm-hmm. And I get to work with brands um, through those platforms and share things that I love. And um, I also have built a wellness business through doTERRA essential oils. And that's been an incredible blessing to me. We have over 10,000 people on our team and that's, we love to serve and, and bless and, and work with them every day, uh, trying to kind of integrate more holistic health into their life. And, and it's been a really awesome journey. So we kind of have our hands in a lot of different things, but really all roads lead back to wellness and feeling good and allowing ourselves to have joy and peace in this life. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and when did you start with doTERRA? Did you start with doTERRA or were you kind of like using different oils or how did that whole journey start? Yeah. 
Yeah. So I actually signed up. I, a neighbor came over and, and gave me oils 10 years ago, oh my which gosh. is insane. And like, had I started a business <laughs> 10 years ago, um, I don't know. I'd be living on a yacht in the middle of the ocean. Maybe. I don't know, but it, right. I don't, I don't think I was ever open to the business and it took me a long, long time. So it took me five years, um, to even consider it or even, and I was using the oils and loving them and having all the success with them. I was just like this closet user and I didn't yeah. want to explore the business because we know kind of what we know about network marketing, unless you know, someone really normal who's involved in that kind of business, then you think it's just whack for your wacky aunt. Right. Um, totally. Yeah. So it just took me a lot of years to warm up to it. And my older sister was doing the business and, uh, sister-in-law actually, but she was, you know, I just felt like, wow. Okay. Well I respect her. I love her and she's very normal to me. Maybe this is something that I could explore and do, and I'm sharing about it anyway. So I started sharing the business and, and kind of working it and, and sharing oils more publicly. It's been about five and a half years now. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Okay. And you have a postpartum guide. I've heard you talk about that a ton on your Instagram. Can you talk to me about that? When did, when did you start doing that? Was that after your fourth? Yeah. So I felt like, I mean, I've been having babies for 11 years now and I felt like there was so much information about what crib to buy and what car seat to buy and whether or not you should sleep them on their tummy and when you should start solids and what foods to avoid if you're breastfeeding and, you know, kind of just like inundated with all this information. Yeah. And then I had a baby and I was like, I have no information. <laughs> like, right. I, I am lost in a sea of wonder and stress and I don't know how to do this. And is this normal? And is it normal to feel frustrated and angry with my baby? Is it normal to feel disconnected from my partner? Is it normal to, um, wish I never did this, you know, right. and kind of have those feelings and just feeling so alone in that. And over the course of a years and having friends and having four experiences with postpartum, I realized that everything is normal yes. in the postpartum period. And that so much of what we suffer in as far as like mental health goes in women. And it's a huge, huge issue in our world and especially in our country, um, as far as postpartum mental health, most of that, if not all of it is stemmed from shame and loneliness and just feeling like you are the only person who's ever felt that way. It's just not talked about. So I started this journey of writing in my journal, um, with my fourth and, writing down what I was experiencing from week to week, what it felt like, what I was going through, what was hard for me, what was good for me, um, what I needed right in that moment from friends, family, what I wish someone would do for me, you know, week three. Yeah. And I just started to really take inventory of that and I wanted to share it with others. So I created another try, which is a play on words, of course, but it's, um, yeah. you know, kind of that fourth trimester that we talk about and how tender that time is. And it's a bunch of audio recordings. And we, I interview everyone from mental health therapists to marriage therapists, um, to lactation consultants and postpartum doulas and nurses. And it's really awesome. It's a great course. It's, 
I wanted something that a woman could listen to. It's all audio Mm -hmm. and just feel better prepared. Uh, we talk about what to expect in the hospital, uh, what that, what that experience is like, um, you know, what, what kind of the afterbirth experience is like, what kind of things you'll be wearing. Um, yeah, cause those things nobody are- tells you. Yeah. I just didn't know any of that. And so we get into the nitty gritty of all of it. Um, you know, we talk about relationships and how to stay kind of connected in that time when so much is the focus is so much on that baby. And anyway, so I was really inspired to, um, create that course. And it's something that's really sacred and really special to me. And I do hope that women, the women who have, who have gotten it have felt a measure of peace and just a knowing that they're not alone. Yeah. I think that's so important. And I've myself have struggled with postpartum anxiety and OCD and just knowing that there's so many other people that are suffering too is comforting. Just that you're not, like you said, the only person that's ever felt this way. Right. I think that's so much of what gives us strength is knowing we're not alone. Yeah. Okay. So how do you, cause you have four kids, you run this business, you have this Instagram business as well, and you're a wife, like, how do you do it all? How do you do it all? (laughs) (laughs) I don't, um, I don't do it all. And that's, what's really important for me to remember. I'm sitting here in my house, staring at a huge pile of laundry, a big freaking mess all over my house. And I'm doing this podcast, right? And this is what I'm doing right this second. And staying present in that moment is absolutely critical for me because I don't do it all. I can't do it all. And I will be mad anytime I'm doing anything if that's my expectation. So for me, it's being, so it looks like I do it all right, but I mean, and that's what I hope to shed light on, on my Instagram is I try to be really honest about what's actually happening for me, because when I'm kind of soaring in one area, you know, I've started to really bring fitness back into my life and my house is messier because, you know, I'm making working out a priority and that's a good hour to an hour and a half of my day, you know? So it's like, yeah. so now, you know, the house isn't as clean maybe, or the laundry is not as done or you know, whatever. And so it's like this, it's this give and take in life. And sometimes my career really takes a front seat and I'm not maybe having as much fun with my kids or I'm not reading to them as often. And that's okay. I feel like I've let go of this feeling of balance. I I don't aspire to that. Mm -hmm. Um, I aspire to alignment and I I believe, I believe that that looks so different on everybody. And it looks so different on different seasons of our life. You know, I'm not doing massive action. I'm not creating courses. I'm not, you know, trying to push and pull for something with work. I'm just letting it be. And my number one focus is my family. And even when my work takes a front seat, my, my number one priority is still my family. And I think that women think it's one or the other. But a woman who is working and, or, or has something, anything that she's passionate about, it can be charitable work or a hobby or whatever it looks like, that's still a contribution to her family. It just, 
shifts and ebbs and flows. And when we allow that, we get to release the guilt of trying to be somewhere we aren't, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. I love that perspective of like the working mom, that it's not as much as a sacrifice as it is like a benefit to the family. Oh yeah. I I feel like the the lessons that my kids have learned and the lessons that I learned coming from a working mom, you know, by the time I was 12, I was doing my own laundry and feeding myself and making sure that I knew when I was going to be at dance and reminding my parents when that was. And, you know, I, I don't think those are bad things for my kids to learn. And I think they've grown up to be really good, independent people because I'm not there picking up the pieces all the time. And I think it's been so wonderful for them to, you know, cheer me on. And every time I've gone for a higher rank in doTERRA, they've been right by my side, excited about it and helping me and celebrating with me. And I think that's been such a beautiful, unique experience for our family. Yeah. That's so awesome. I come from a working mom. My mom was an attorney. Um, and so she had a lot of work and I always saw that and knew that that would be me someday and that I could do it because she did it. You know, it wasn't like this unattainable thing like, oh, I have to either be a mom or I have to be a working woman. I can't do both. But she, you know, paved the way for me to see that as a possibility, which is awesome. Oh yeah. That's so awesome. I love that. I, I remember once, I'm sure you've had experiences like this from a working mom. My dad dad brought my lunch to school and a little kid was like, do you have a mom? Because (laughs) my mom was a school teacher. And so she didn't have, she couldn't have breaks. She couldn't write. You couldn't like come to the school if I needed a paper, but my dad was a professor. And yes. so he had just more flexibility in his schedule where he was the one that if you forgot something, he came by or whatever. And I just remember feeling <laughs> so, what do you do? I have a mom. Yes. But my dad helps us too. And I think that's another part of our unique experience and kind of the, the unique, um, layers and, and, um, system of our family is that my husband is just as involved as I am. And so our kids really don't see the gender roles that are traditional in life. Um, because Andrew and I both do the same thing for them. So I love that. That's like the ultimate goal for me is like for just to have that balance, if you want to call it a balance or whatever. Yeah, I love that. Work with both parents. That's so cool. Okay. Um, You have such a giving spirit, Jenna, and an attitude that is so great. I loved your um, Clear the List campaign you were doing last year and the things you do for foster kids in Utah. Um, How do you help foster that in your own kids and kind of help them understand service in that way? Um. Oh, that's a great question. We, we take our kids to as many service opportunities as we can with, you know, with the foster kids, we, we, you know, the kids are included. Our children are included in the shopping efforts of that. Um, they, we serve at a local soup kitchen several times a year and we like go up to the, the children's hospital here in Utah and the kids can serve there. And it's, 
you know, a lot of service and volunteer opportunities are, you know, 18 plus. So I put a lot of effort into trying to find places that my little kids can, can be at and go that's safe for them. Um, and shows them a life that's different than what they have. And, you know, we've done a lot of service at the Ronald McDonald house and met really sick kids who they've bonded with and been friends with. And, and that's really important, um, work. And then, you know, I think those are bigger kind of bigger ways to serve. One of my, one of my favorite books, there's parts of it that are hard, but most of the book is good is, um, raising grateful kids in an entitled world. And I, I really, really love this book. It gives a lot of great ideas, um, of how to, um, shift kids attitudes. And, you know, Andrew and I both, Andrew is someone that will drop anything for anybody and he'll get in his car and he'll take his truck and he'll haul the things and move the boxes. And I, think that our kids see that in our day-to-day life, that that's just the way that we live. And that's just what we do. And my parents did that. His parents did that. And so I see in both of us that that's what we do. We, we're quick to serve our neighbors and our friends and our siblings. And I hope that they, that they, that's being fostered in them too, just by example. Yeah. Um, I can't say that we have like some big master plan and some big conversation, but they know that, that we care about other people and we're concerned about them. Just a couple of weeks ago, we brought some goods to a refugee organization that I work with mm-hmm. and Lolly, my five-year-old was just beaming and so excited. And I don't even know why, if she even really understood what we were doing but she could feel that. And I, I just hope those little tiny seeds are planted and they turn out to be good people that serve the world around them. Yeah. I think that's so great. And that's something that my parents did too. My mom, especially, um, we would do like adopt a family at Christmas time because we had a lot and there was just me and my sister. And so she made sure to, you know, kind of from an early age, just make it like a normal thing. Like you go and help people and this is like something you do and it's not like a once in a year thing. Although we did do a lot of like once in a year things, but like you said, every day showing a little bit of service, I think is really important. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Since you mentioned Lolly, we're going to talk about (laughs) personality children. I have a daughter who is like 110% all the time. And she, Lolly reminds me a lot of her with like her dancing and her just like character. And, um, so how do you help them reach their potential? And like, my biggest concern with my daughter is like, I'm afraid she's going to go to kindergarten and kids are going to like, just tear her down and she's going to become shy. And, you know, I don't want that to happen to her. Uh, that's a really good question because I think we all have an experience or several where um, we are told we're too loud or we talk too much. Those were like always my comments growing up from my teachers. Yeah. We love Jenna, but she just talks too much and she's too loud. And, you know, those are, it's important to learn the boundaries and the kind of our environment. And it's okay to want our children to listen to their teachers and be respectful. And I don't 
I don't encourage my kids just doing whatever they want. You know? Right. Um, I want them to be respectful of the environment they're in so that other kids can learn and their teachers can teach. Um, but I think I just look for more opportunities of what to celebrate. And I like to say when, you know, say for instance, when, when, um, they're being really quiet and respectful in church, I love to lean over and say, you are being so quiet. And I am so grateful that helps us all listen and learn. And I'm so grateful that you were able to do that today. And I think pointing out those moments where you liked that behavior, that's what you loved them doing. It just is more effective. I found in my experience than constantly saying, please don't do that. Stop doing that. You know, take up less space, be quieter. I, I, you know, I just think that finding the things to celebrate, um, they learn that, that, that feels good to listen and to find those moments of quiet and peace and introspectiveness. And they don't always have to be, you know, out loud all the time. <laughs> right. Yeah. That positive reinforcement. Yes. Amazing. I love that. Yeah. I try to do that as much as I can that I'm at the stage, my daughter's three and a half. So I'm just like trying to teach her when it's okay to like bust out and like full song in the middle of the grocery <laughs> store and dance rooms or like just scream for no reason, you know? Um, but what is one thing you want your children to remember about their childhood? Oh, I love this. That they could be themselves. I mean, I don't think that there's a better gift than I could give my kids than the opportunity and the space to be who they are and to fully accept that. Yeah. I want them to embrace themselves sooner than I did. Right. Same. So, yeah. It took me so long to be okay with who I am. And I would love to raise children that just are okay with who they are. And that comes easily for them. And I think that starts here. And so I, and so that's what I want them to remember about their childhood is that if they could be fully themselves. I love that. That's so perfect. Taking a turn here and talking about your journey with, I know you've talked about this a lot on your Instagram recently, and I love that. I love what you posted. I don't know if it was today or yesterday, um, about just exercise in general and like, you don't yeah. have to be a hundred percent dressed and mentally there to like do it and get the full effect. How has your, or how would you say like after having your first to after having your fourth baby, how has that changed? Well, I mean, I, for me, everything has changed. Um, and I think that what I've learned the most from having a first and having a fourth baby is that no amount of hating what has happened to your body will change it. Yeah. So it's just such a waste of time. <laughs> like really for lack of a better phrase, it's just boring and a waste of time to continually hate the shape you're in, dislike the skin that's happened, the stretch marks, the different way your body fits into your outfits. None of that, no, no stewing over that is going to do any good. Right. And I think I thought for a long time, if I thought about it enough, that it would keep me motivated, that it would keep me kind of 
not eating the cookie or getting on my run or, you know, it's something like if it's on my mind, then I'll do better. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah, totally. And I think I realized that actually, um, freeing myself of that loop and that just kind of hamster wheel, Mm -hmm. uh, is actually what has not only made me happier, but given me the best results. Right. Right. Um, and I don't say results in the way that like I, you know, in weight loss, I just mean in wholeness and wellness in life because fixating on it never got me anywhere. Yeah. I love what you said on Instagram about like you exercise to get that feeling, not to, to like feel good. And I've found that after having my second as well as like exercise for me, I don't, you know, I have goals, but I don't, it, the main goal is not weight loss because I've been smaller, I've been bigger and, you know, feelings are much more important than you know, the number or how your clothes fit or whatever. Yeah, that's, that's, it's just crazy to me to have the experience of being able to, like I used to hear runners high or I work out to feel good, but, mm-hmm. and I think I would say those things. And I think I did love the endorphins and they, it did make me feel better, but the underlying thing was always to lose weight. Yeah. So would you say you've switched that goal and that's no longer, I mean, a part of your body image of yourself or? Yeah. It's just not a goal for me. I know that that will come, you know, if, if you are really being active to feel good and you're eating to feel good, your body will feel good to you. Right. It's just the, it's, it's the actual math facts of things, you know, it right, just adds yeah. up to work for you. Right. Okay. And last question, and it's my favorite question to ask people is what is your biggest strength as a mother? Oh my gosh. My biggest strength. I'd love to some, I'd love to ask Andrew this question actually. Maybe <laughs> I, I will. <laughs> Maybe I will. Um, it's such a hard question to answer because we're like, I think, <clears throat> yeah, it's hard. I'm like, you know, I want to, I want to find all the holes of the ways I'm not good, you know, and all right. the ways I can do better because that's just being a woman and being a mom. And that's always what I'm trying to rewrite. So I like this question because it helps me to embrace the good parts of me. Yeah. But <clears throat> I'd say two, two parts <laughs> because okay. they both they both, I think work together is I, I'm really fun. I'm a fun mom. I have, you know, I have rules. Like I have no, you know, if you follow me for a while, you know, I don't do slime. I don't do suckers. I don't do gum. Like I have things that protect the fun in my house so that it doesn't turn (laughs) bad, but I'm, I'm a goer. I'm a doer. I, I drag my kids to the pool and hiking and all the places and I'm fun. But, and then in that same breath, I'm really patient with them. And not in like a mousy, soft, oh, you're so perfect way. Like, you know, some moms are like that, that are just yes. like, so like syrupy sweet. I am not that mom. Like annoyingly but patient. <laughs> no, I'm not. No. I, so it's funny to hear myself say I'm patient because that's how I picture it. But 
when I really think about it with my kids, I really am, I really do create space for them to be who they are. And that requires a lot of patience because it would be easiest to do this one size fits all parenting and to just kind of fit them all in a box and mm-hmm. deal with them all the same way. But it, and it takes a lot more bandwidth for me to really say, how does Jude best respond to, to, to things like this? Think about that, act in that way. How does Quinn best respond to things like this? You know, and it really does take a lot more effort and patience on my part and something that I'm really proud of that I do yeah. every day yeah. is try to see them as individuals and meet them where they are. And that requires a lot of patience. Yes, it does. That is so great. Um, and I can see that just through following you on Instagram that you, you try to do that. And I think that's awesome. Thanks. Okay. Well, Jenna, where can people follow you? Okay. So yeah, you can follow me on Jenna's kitchen on Instagram and jennaramble.com. Then if you want to follow the oil side of things and that excites you, then you can follow me on Instagram as well, the daily essential co. And that's where we share like daily oil tips and tricks and all the things. So those are the kind of main places that you can find me. Well, thank you so much, Jenna. This has been so nice to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me on and for being patient with me getting on. (laughs) (laughs) No problem at all. Thanks for listening to the Parents Who Talk podcast. If you like what you've heard, please leave us a review and share the love. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at the Parents Who Talk and join our exclusive Facebook group, The Parents Who Talk Podcast. Remember to be yourself and do your best.